Hello, everybody. This is Jan Landy, and welcome to Soundbroker's Mastermind Roundtable, a group of like minds in the entertainment industry putting our heads together to figure out a way how to survive the COVID times so that we survive when things get back to normal. My microphone didn't work correctly, and the Mastermind group came to my rescue, and Ken Newman introduced Jack Bosneck from Eighth Day, and I don't need to say any more. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Take it away, Jack. Hey, hi. Tell, tell us about <laughs> tell us about the the news that we heard. What was that Tuesday or so? What, what, we we heard some news, news about the uh, the audio industry shakeup. It's kind of like when Pepsi buys Coke, which will happen next year. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen this year, just to upstage, uh, you know, Claire buying us. Okay. <laughs> yes, Claire acquired Eight Day Sound. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. It Eight Day Sound will remain a standalone company. They didn't pry the name off the front of the building. They are not sending anybody from Lidditz to come run it. Uh, entire staff, management, et cetera, et cetera, is all intact in all locations. So um, it where I'm trying to present it is the same thing happened with Brit Row. Brit Row did not change. Eight Day Sound is not changing. Eight Day Sound was healthy. It had nothing to do with COVID. The talks started in January with Claire. Um, we had looked at other options um, and we did it for a couple of reasons. One, we think this industry is going to continue to grow. Um, if the industry continues to grow, how are you? How are you going to be able to handle the challenges of that? How are you going to meet your customers' needs and continue to meet your customers' needs? We do it on a global basis uh, and have to do it on a global basis. Um, we figured that um, merging, acquire, being acquired, something else would have to be in our future um, or us acquiring somebody. So. We looked at it, um, Tom looked at all the options and this was a great option. Um, we are not acquired by a company that is managed by private equity. Uh, Claire Brothers is a family owned company, has a longer history than uh, me. Um, and they tend to run it the same way we run our business. So it seemed, uh, seem to be uh, the right move and we feel it is the right move. The other reason we made it, the other reason we made the choice to do this is we looked at the landscape and three to five years, I know everything is gonna be okay. After five years, I don't. I have been able to work at Eight Day Sound for over 30 years. I'd like everybody to have that shot. You know, everybody- Under my should, clothes. So it, uh, those are the reasons that's what happened. That's how it's going forward. Um, there will be back office changes. There's no front office changes. There's no shop changes. So that's it. So, so the big question in my mind is, I thought I had heard that, um, that Tom and 
the Claire camp were kind of uh, heavy competitors. They were very competitive with each other. <laughs> there is now an they... amnesty program for all of us because for 40 <laughs> years, I've motherfucked the hell out of them. And they've done the same to me. Uh, yes, we're <laughs> all very, very, we are type A personalities, nice Midwest kids, but extremely competitive. Right. And so is that just all gone now? It's all, we're all no, pulling we for the have, same team? We, we work for the same team. We're all on the same team. However, we still have our customers that we have to compete for. Okay. And so, so, it, so isn't, your customers, it isn't like carte blanche that, you know, uh, I didn't end up with a bunch of cohesion boxes in the back you know, in the <laughs> shop today. Um, they didn't end up with a bunch of D&B boxes in the shop either. So, um, so some people said that like when uh, Claire bought Shoko years ago, that the, the original plan was that there would be no interference from Claire on Shoko. And then bullshit. after a few years that changed. Bullshit. Claire bought Shoko under distress. If you remember, oh, yeah. Shoko was owned by Verilite. And Verilite had to get rid of it, get rid of things because they were spending all the money on the lights. There was no money right, in right. the sound. They sold it and they sold it cheap. And that was uh, an asset acquisition. Um, by the way, this acquisition was a stock acquisition. So everything that is and does belong to Eight Day Sound International belongs to you know, Claire Global right now. Different deal. Yeah. In the past, Claire acquired distressed companies. They acquired Choco, which was distressed. DB Sound was distressed. Um, they no longer do that. They acquire successful companies and want them to continue to be successful. Interesting. So, so, uh, so, how how's the name of Eighth Day Sound go now? Now is it Eighth like Day Sound, a division of Clare no? There's Eighth Day. No, there is no division of. There is no a blah 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 company. It is Eighth Day Sound. Since so they it's purchased, almost just strictly financial, then, huh? It's all back office. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, very cool. And but it but it gives Eighth Day Sound some advantage to it gives not me being a lot of advantage. Right? It gives me a lot of advantages, um, and I hope it gives them some too. There is a lot uh, when I've met with a lot of their people. By the way, to my surprise, they didn't have horns and cloven hooves, um, but uh, they're pretty damn smart in a lot of things. All right. Well, good to hear. Are you going to keep the Australian office and the London office separate? Or are you going to put them together eventually? Eventually, the talk is we're, we're both, both of our leases run out simultaneously. So we'll see what happens. In LA, there currently is no talk of putting the offices together because the offices serve different customers with different needs. So right now that it's working. Matter of fact, we extended our lease in LA. So in in uh, in London, it's different because eventually uh, Heathrow will go ahead and put a runway right smack dab through our building. Is the plan? So we're going to have to move one way. No matter what we did in London, we were moving. So we'll see what happens there. There's been. There's been no real talks. Please remember, this is one week old. We're making it up as we go along. 
What's so happy to hear that, Jack. Thanks. What's the plan on contracting? On contracting, Claire has, uh, I met people, they own ProMedia and they have Clear Solutions, uh, both which companies are a heck of a lot bigger than Eight Days Contracting is. We'll support them in any way we can, and they, you know, but let's face it, they are a lot larger than ours. You know, your contracting is a heck of a lot larger than ours. We're not, we're not, we're in that business. We're not like you in that business where you're like extremely, you gonna expand lighting and video? Lighting and video? Uh, it's it's eight days sound. It's not lighting and video. <laughs> Contracting lighting and video. Um, if they do it, that's fine. We don't do it. We're not. We're not really good. The only video we do is we hang some TVs in churches. That's it. That's and I don't call that video. So, so, so is Tom like mega rich now? No, not at all. He's got to come to work. Just oh. like me. You know, oh, sorry. Kenny, Kenny asked if I was, you know, getting on my tractor and driving off into the sunset. Um, no, none of us are. Uh, the thing I equated to is that Brian Grant and Mike Lowe with Britannia Row, when they were acquired, they, they're older than I am and they could have easily have walked away. They're still there. It's too much fun, widely fun. I didn't get into this business to you know, walk away from fun. So we're gonna- Fantastic, great to hear doing sound, huh? Hey, you know, it's eight day sound. How many times I gotta tell you that? Jack. <laughs> I really suck at lights. <laughs> Speaking of eight day sound, what's going on right now as far as staying in business? In other words, how you what are the shows like? In as Jan's trying to say is, what Jan's trying to say is, do you, have any, do you have any work right now? And if so, is it live shows or are we streaming? What kind of stuff are you doing? We're doing streaming is basically about it. We're doing streaming. We're doing some rehearsal stuff in LA. LA has got, LA and London has more of it than Cleveland. Cleveland's uh, doing installations. That's where our main main revenue is coming from there's no shows so installations are still uh progressing yeah kenny could tell you that yep uh, you're doing a heck of a lot of them and and the streaming things are they in venues you know live show venues or are they in some rehearsal space or something they're in rehearsal spaces uh, melody vr is one of our customers uh doing that on a continual basis and there have been some other things you know like i said there was an uptick uh, when some of the uh, events went virtual, like, um, um, what is it? Uh, one of the festivals went virtual. Well, everybody had to rehearse, so there was a little bit of work there. They're but taking that's, all the know, radio stuff right now, too. Right, right. But as far as anything else, there's, nobody's allowed to have the show. If you had to put a percentage on how much work or how much income you have this year compared to say last year, what would you say it is? <laughs> Not enough to float the battleship. Oh, well, we know that, but I mean, it's just, <laughs> just for, for argument's sake, when people tell me, for argument's oh, sake, people are working, you know, so 99.5, 99.5% 99 
99.5% of our revenue went away. There you go. So 0.5% of your yeah. previous revenue is what you're able to generate during these COVID times. That's pretty bad. Well, it's like I'm, I'm not in a boat different than everybody else. Everybody's in the same boat. Right. So it's, do you have any suggestions for, uh, for uh, uh, the recovery of the industry? <laughs> yeah. Call Live Nation and tell them you want to go back to work. <laughs> it's not going to happen until that happens. Yeah, that's what it's all about, basically, is the promoters have to promote shows. They have to have, have the shows have to be allowed and, and on and on. What do you think? Do you think it's going to be uh, when we get a vaccine in place? you think we're going to start seeing some venues opening up to real shows? When, when the risk is less than the return, that's when it will happen. And I don't know, I don't know what the magic is. I don't know if it's in testing or vaccine or how effective are vaccines. You can argue science all day long on that. I'm not that guy. Uh, but I do know that Live Nation and all other promoters aren't going to take risks. They don't want to lose any more money. Everybody has a stockpile of money that you're sitting on, no matter what industry we're all in. The, 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 you know, the restaurant up the street, there's a stockpile they're sitting on and they got a burn rate. And all you have to do is figure out how much you're sitting on and what your burn rate is. And that's how far you're going to get. So that's unfortunate. So, so I have a question here from uh, somebody. Uh, let's see. Does that mean that eighth day is pushing back more towards corporate again? I don't know. I've we've always done some corporate. I, does it doesn't mean? I mean, are you are you, you favorite corporate or favorite mu favorite music uh, one or the over the other? No, it, they're Maybe probably not, like everybody else. They favor right. profitable. You know, if it if it I makes money, you'll do it, right, Jack? Uh, we've always been that mercenary. <laughs> You probably do plenty of churches. Except churches we seem won't to be do, alive we and well. won't do lights, okay? We won't do video. <laughs> I gotta draw a line somewhere. dollars to light my birthday party. Nope, I'm not your guy. Really? How much? <laughs> now, one thing I could. You guys hear me now? Hopefully. Uh, we can hear you right now. Yeah. Okay, good. So one of the things that one of the things that's happening on September first is that we make events, um, and I'm curious to know what everybody in the room is really thinking about in regards to that, and and what plans do you have to turn your buildings red? I know you're not lights, but is there anything that what is going on with you guys and Claire and or Kenny? What are you doing and Steve? Anybody here in the room got any plans where we make events? The city of Cleveland, uh, there's, uh, they, when they first put the thing out, there was, they named, I forget, 13 cities for uh, Red Alert Restart. Uh, Cleveland was not on it. Um, we, Mike Strickland happened to send us the email. Uh, we realized Pittsburgh was on it. Um, I went ahead and other people went ahead and said, what, Pittsburgh, no Cleveland? Well. Now we're lighting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Terminal Tower, Playhouse Square, Severance Center, 
uh, the I-90 bridge, uh, Eight Day Sound obviously will be lit along with several other production companies. Uh, some of the lighting companies in town all kicked in lights. So a lot of the venues, the smaller venues, uh, Beachland Ballroom especially, and some of the others will be lit. Their talk of a parade, parade, uh, pushing cases down the road like they did in Manchester. Um, that's what we're doing. Can I go and ahead and jump in here? In my neighborhood. Yeah, please. Cool. Hi, guys. You, none of you probably know me because I'm a lighting guy, not an audio guy, but um, I'm Brad Nelms, and I am the director, uh, volunteer director for the We Make Events. So just wanted to come on and make sure that you guys all knew what was going on, answer any questions. Unfortunately, I only have a few minutes because I got to go record a podcast in uh, at 3.30. But um, yeah, like Jack mentioned, we have a ton of stuff happening. Um, the list of cities that we put out originally was uh, just our, our very initial target list. This whole thing has come together super, super fast. Uh, it started on a, as an idea the day after the event that happened in the UK on the 11th. So on a Zoom call, not like this, not unlike this, but for lighting people on the following day, we said, we should do this. And then Friday, we got a small group of people together and said, okay, how do we do this? And then we started going. So we very much were running before we're crawling. And now here we are 12 days later, and we have uh, more than 50 cities that have regional teams that all have a regional director and are doing, uh, just, just like Jack was mentioning, lighting as much up as they can to share on social media, doing a local event of some kind and then getting local press coverage. Um, we, are, we have a national PR team. We're releasing videos and celebrity spots that are started going out today. Um, this thing has gotten really big, really fast. And we have a lot of other organizations that have jumped on as well. So we're partnered with extendpua.org uh, we're partnered with IAVM and NEVA and NEDO and IATSE and uh, USITT and um, pretty much everybody, every, every org that's out there in the nonprofit, uh, either safety organizational or um, lobbying sectors we've aligned with and we're, we're moving this thing forward. So it's going to be a really, really cool event. The entire evening on September 1st is going to be live streamed on Facebook Live. So starting at uh, nine o'clock in New York time in, in, on the East Coast. We're going to start there and we're going to do uh, kind of a New Year's Eve style live stream broadcast that goes through a bunch of cities across the country and uh, highlights some things and does interviews with people. And we've got a pretty, uh, pretty powerful bookended message that starts in New York City and ends in LA. Um, and we've got involvement out to Hawaii and even some international involvement as well through Canada, um, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and Trinidad Tobago. So it's going to be a really cool, really powerful event. And I would encourage any of you that uh, are able to participate, please do in any capacity that you can, because this is about us as an industry and, uh, and the people that make it up and how we have enough cash to get to March. Thanks, Brad. And how can, how can we participate, Brad? What, what can yeah, how do? do we help out? Yeah, so uh, if you want to get involved, um, the easy thing to do is to go to the website, which is wemakeevents.org. There's a sign-up sheet there that uh, we can connect you with your regional team, uh, and that'll happen automatically through an email. Also, on the front page of that website is a, uh, a way to automatically email your representative. So you put in your information, then it gives you an email to say, you know, send an email to them that's got our call to action. Uh, what's very specific about what we're doing that's a little different than what they did in the UK is we have uh, very specific asks from a legislative perspective. So the first ask is pushing the Restart Act, uh, which is about relief funding for businesses. Uh, the second ask is about extending uh, PUA and FPUC, which is unemployment insurance for uh, displaced workers, including 1099 workers. 
Um, and then the third ask is save our stages for independent venues because there are some things in their world that gets missed by the Restart Act. So those three things are what we're pushing and what we're, uh, we're hoping we can get movement on through Congress. And um, we're also doing with that a, a targeted uh, letter push to specific senators uh, that are not yet supporting to say, please do this, and ones that are to say thank you and get them involved. So um, if you guys want to help, go on the website, uh, like the Facebook page, take pictures, take videos, uh, put them on social media, send them to us, make sure that you use the hashtags. So our hashtags, we have, uh, I'll put them in the chat, but they're hashtag we make events, hashtag red alert restart, which is the name of the event, hashtag extend PUA, and hashtag uh, save our stages. Okay, and I will also put those into, um, just an FYI, it's a perfect opportunity to say this. We have a new mastermind page, uh, which I will share the link with everybody. And all, everything that gets discussed today, there will be links in, the, in this group, and you're all welcome to join it. I'll also, I'll throw that link into the chat as well. Cool. So okay. thank you all very much. I got to run, but would really appreciate any involvement. And uh, thanks in advance for your help. Good timing. Excellent yeah. time. All right. I think my mic has come back too. <laughs> Maybe you're about you're about halfway, uh, Jan. It's not it's not so underwater, need, but it's not above the surface yet either. You're gonna have to be my translator because you understand me perfectly. Um, but I have another question for Jack and that has to do with the international business down in Australia. What's going on down there? Do you guys now own that old country? Uh, no. I'm sure the promoters aren't thrilled because they now have to you know, get a second quote from somebody else. But uh, no, we don't own the whole country. I wish we could, but there's, there's no way you're going to own anything in this industry. We all know that. It's a competitive industry. It's, you have to earn it every, every day. You're How's the COVID the situation in Australia, Jack? Are they, are they um, doing shows yet? No, they are not. They... Um, the only work down there right now is TV. And every time they try to start something up, something flares up someplace else. They, uh, a week or two ago, they locked down Victoria again or stopped people from coming and going. Um, lockdown's kind of harsh. But uh, no, it's, it's, once again, they don't, uh, they try to restart and then it doesn't work. So. Right. Okay. Everybody tends to think, though, that when we start to come out of all of this, however, um, whether through the testing or through vaccine or whatever, um, that Australia and other uh, and Europe will start up before America. Yeah, based on our track record of increase in cases, that would seem to be the case. So tell us, refresh my memory about where Eighth Day Sound has locations. Eighth Day Sound has L.A., Cleveland, and Sydney in the US. and London. Sydney and London. That's that's all. Yeah, that's all. All right, cool. Now, now you mentioned earlier about talking about concerts and when it's coming back. In the chat, I just put a couple of links, and, and I would like to open this up to the group as well, Jack. You might know more about it than anyone else. But right now, Germany and Leipzig, they are testing, the city of Leipzig is testing three different scenarios with concerts. One, everybody's going to be able to go wherever it is. Two, they're going to be spacing people out. And number three, I don't remember. Is anybody aware of what I'm talking about 
and with the Lipstick concert in Germany. Mike Brown? I heard about a big experiment, right? It's an experiment. Yeah, so it's an experiment where they've actually gotten volunteers to sign up and, and basically sign their lives away. But essentially, um, you go into the venue, you have a uh, near field, an NFC device on you that uh, will automatically log as you go through the event who you're next to, who you're near to, and, and so on and so forth. Then additionally, they have hand sanitizer. And in the hand sanitizer, there's UV gel. So what they want you to do, so basically the concert is just a concert like any other concert. And they have concessions and they have merch and they have everything. It's, just, it's a concert like any other show. And they just want you to go to the show like you would go to any other show and just do what you do. Go to the restroom, go buy a beer, go buy a t-shirt, go buy pizza, whatever, right? And with the NFC trackers, they can track where you go in the building, who you got close to, who you got near to. And then with the UV impregnated hand sanitizer, they can see what surfaces you touch and, and, and how long, because the UV has a decay rate. So they can tell how long it takes to decay and they're approximating that to how long a virus would last. Um, and then they're gonna take all that information and try and turn it into a probability uh, projection basically of, of what would happen in an event and obviously not just for COVID but for any infectious disease whether it's you know a regular flu or anything else they don't expect those results to have anything to share really until October because uh, there'll be so much data crunching because it's a it's not a huge venue but it's a full-sized concert venue that they're using so there's a there'll, there'll be a lot of data that they have to crunch yeah it's, it, it, by the way, the links are in the chat, and, and like I said, again, we have the Soundbroker Mastermind, uh, Mastermind uh, um, Facebook page and a Discord link that we're going to start. So for all this information, it'll be there for later, and you guys could join us. And, uh, but it's kind of interesting because th this is going to be an opportunity for us to see about the spread of the COVID. Now, I've been watching the news about Sturgis, and it, it seems that there's been somewhat of a spread, but not much of a spread. Has anybody heard anything? The, the, the uh, news reports that I read relative to Sturgis mention, say, 60 cases here and 20 cases there. And when we're talking about a, a gathering of, what was it, 400,000 people or something, that to me sounds like virtually nothing. Uh, I wonder right, if but, it's... But what you I have wonder, to bear in mind is that seven to 10 day incubation period. So you really, you really want to be really looking tell. late this week into next week. If we get That's to the right. middle of next week and it's still, like Ken said, you know, 40s, 60s, you know, a couple dozen here, a dozen there, that's really good news. If it's, if, but, but if it explodes, then that's a different story, obviously. Well, I think, I think the fact that the mainstream media is mentioning it at all, they're trying to make it sound like it's the worst thing that could ever happen. And, you know, the typical mainstream media exaggeration to get everybody afraid of gathering. Well, fortunately, 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 the way I see it is because of the conventions, that news has been suppressed. So it really isn't not spreading the way the way COVID is. I mean, but it is the back to school week. And one of the reasons why I think we're having such trouble with the connections with Zoom as Zoom went down on Monday is I think that the overload on Zoom right now is more than tremendous. Well, there's anyway. probably some truth to that. Yeah, I mean, Zoom got hammered this week. I mean, 
however big Zoom has gotten from March to to a week ago, it, it I don't know what the numbers are, but I'll bet you it doubled or tripled in the last three days. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have yeah. a question for you. Speaking of Zoom, I have a question for all you audio types. There's Zoom, the company that makes those cheap-ish Chinese-made pocket recorders and so forth. And there's this Zoom. Is it one and the same? No, it's completely different. And I believe that uh, although everything's made in China, I believe Zoom is not from China. I don't remember exactly where they're from, but I don't believe that they're a a Chinese company um, on Zoom. I mean, not not to say that Zoom, the the equipment manufacturer, is a Chinese company either. I'm pretty sure it's a U.S.-based company that has yeah. their devices manufactured in China. But what my question is, it's two separate companies, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and their growth, the growth of Zoom is, uh, as, as the communication tool has, ex- has exploded to such a point where um, it, it, their value is rising and rising and rising. And of course, more people are using it because they've taken advantage of the ultimate platform, whereas all of the rest have not. I see Rich Rich is old. No, no, no pictures. No pictures, Rich. No pictures. And no, that's a my- the, the company Zoom that we're talking on is a Chinese company. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, really? Yes. Okay. Oh, this, no, the Zoom we're talking on is a Chinese company. Correct. Yeah, but I think it has an American. I think, I think it has an American uh, uh, corporation as well. I'm sure they do, but the the, found, the, the founder and the, so there's, that's some of the legal rationale for some of the security issues that came up uh, about a month ago, or actually about two or three months ago. Uh, that was a big part of it. Somebody just said Zoom is headquartered in San Jose. Right, the U.S. for, for Zoom. Yeah. Well, it's yep. a big company. So, so the question, another question that people have brought up recently, and this is a silly question, but why Zoom? I mean, why didn't, say, for instance, Skype or uh, GoToMeeting or any of these other ones become the go-to uh, application for everyone to use? Why did Zoom take off? Or Microsoft Teams, for that matter. It just seems... That right, exactly. It's the same function, right? Microsoft Teams has is, is pretty much got a hold on all the school stuff. Mm-hmm. Not is that the, what it not is? Not the school children that I've seen. They've all been using Zoom. I've, but. I've never successfully got on a Microsoft Teams call. I'm like over oh, 10. <laughs> I literally have yet to use it. It never worked. Has it ever worked? So maybe maybe that's our answer right there is that the other ones we, were not as reliable as Zoom. We yeah. use Microsoft Teams in, in internally, but not externally. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, sure. it does. I'm not it does make sure sense. Microsoft one is, is Teams, but it's a whole school geared uh, communication teaching method through Microsoft. There's several teachers that are just, you know, even training, you know, work Microsoft like that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, it's a good tool. It's a good tool, and, it, and, and it's bringing people together like never before. This is almost like a, a convention where we're not there, yet we get to see people we haven't seen in a long time, and so we can communicate with one another. And, and, Wow, Jan, you are really breaking up that. We're going to have to have a, a post-meeting uh, a debrief on your audio there, Jan. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it must be the internet. I'm sorry, guys, but Except I'm glad. Jan, Zoom prioritizes audio over video, and you have perfect video and almost no audio. 
Yeah, so it can't I, be I, an internet. I think issue. there might be. I think it might be some kind of issue in your uh, local audio setup because because of the way it's coming and going. It sounds kind of odd. Think about a Chinese. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Are you using in, a Zoom mixer, Jan? Oh, I think he is. Can, I think he's using Zoom. And can we mixer. trust? And can we trust? I think it's operator error. It's definitely not that. Jan knows how to run it. I'm not. Why it's not going out? I have a spare computer right next to me. <laughs> oh boy. And You're cutting out so bad, Jim. Really yeah, it's you'll your, hear it on the playback. Is your microphone plug pushed in all the way? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's enough. Okay, last one of those. Is your chair on the cable? I hear myself perfectly. It's the, the, the challenge, I don't know where the challenge is, but it's, it's, it's over. It's not... Wow. So, 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 Tom Soros, you heard anything about, uh, you know, how this industry is going to recover and when? Yeah. Uh, uh, can you hear me? I've just unmuted my mic. Oh, yeah, no, we're good. Okay, good. Um, three things. Uh, I wanted to give everybody an update on the w side work I've been doing with Michael Strickland. Uh, I uh, suggested we reach out to Actors Equity, Producers Guild, and SAG in order to broaden our base of uh, for appealing for the work support in Congress. And tomorrow morning at 8.30, I'm on a call with the executive director of Producers Guild and Michael Strickland to move that forward. And I've, ha I've linked him into Actors' Equity and to SAG for the same purposes. So that'll broaden the base for people contacting Congress and senators. Um, uh, I just got my first, what I would call real uh, phone call about ramping up and doing another, doing a real project. And this comes out of New York City where the Schubert organization, which is fundamentally a Broadway organization, um, it has a project in mind for either late September or early October, where they're going to either take a Schubert house or use one of the existing virtual studios and create a Broadway event uh, and then sell it as a streaming live show. Uh, so I got looped into that this morning, uh, or just, just that's why I was late getting on the call because I was on the phone about the technology of it. So that, that's an interesting thing because it's the Schubert's reaching out to regional, regional producers uh, trying to do a subscription sale of a, of a Broadway-style uh, broadcast. Um, and then the third thing is, and, and I got on the call late, so I don't know if uh, you guys have already discussed this, but the uh, Claire uh, Eighth Day Sound uh, acquisition. Um, I don't know if you guys were discussing that really? before. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jack from Eighth Day Sound is actually here, and he gave us the whole background of that. Oh, good, good. Yeah, so, yeah, I... I I figured that somebody from eighth day would, you know, kind of tip, tip the news on that. Um, so that's a pretty big deal in, in this time. And, and it shows that Claire was able to convince their banks of the future of the business. And as I understand it, they wrapped it into a deal that gives them cash flow through the end of 2021. That's how I understand the deal was structured. I'm guessing, this is just my guess, I have no detail, but I'm guessing it's probably about a $40 million valuation somewhere in that neck of the woods. Um, Jack, you got any comment on that? Yes. 
<laughs> I didn't think you'd say anything. <laughs> That's the Tom Source Ouija board guess. <laughs> because that was the deal. There's, there's a really wonderful thing about not being a publicly traded company. You get yeah. to keep certain information in-house. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I'm, I, I think it's a really great thing for the industry because it shows that lenders have the ability to look out long term to the potential recovery and, and are willing to place money on the table to make that happen. So I, I'm thrilled with the news and, it, it, you know, I adore Eighth Day and Tom Arco. I think it's a great company. And of course, I think Claire's a great company. So I think it's a wonderful fit. Um, anyway, that's... So, Tom, you don't think that uh, Claire had the money, so to speak, in the bank? You think they had to get funding? Uh, I think, I'm guessing, because I don't know the details, but I'm guessing they wrapped this up into a larger funding package to, to provide them with the required cash flow with no additional income to get them through to the end of 2021. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. Hey, Kenny, so, does this, do I sound better now? You sound okay. Yeah, you sound okay. What are well, you Well, now I'm on? using my iPhone as, I had to, I had to log in as another <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah, you sound fine, Jim. Yeah, that sounds fine. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if anybody has a picture in their mind of how this industry is going to come back to life. In other words, is it going to be one day the switch gets turned on and all of a sudden shows or our gatherings are allowed, or is it going to be something else? Yeah, I, I, I can't see that. And again, I'm in the install world, but in talking to some of the folks that, that I work with and some of the venues that I service, and then also being a parent of a child in a, a, I think the, I don't know, what are we, the eighth or ninth largest school district in the U.S. that decided to go virtual for the entire first sem fall semester. There's a lot of, from the bigger players, there's a lot of now, we'll let the little things happen first and we're going to watch them before we actually are, are going to put, you know, a million, two million, five million behind something. We're going to see what the, the local showrooms, the local, you know, four, five, six hundred person seat venue. We're going to see what they do, how that turns out, what kind of press do they get, what kind of people come out, all that. They want all that to play out before they move forward with anything where they're going to have to guarantee the artist six or seven figures. Um, so I think it's going to be, it's going to be incremental. I think you'll see, you know, regional stuff, you know, the, the Sammy Hagar's and the Van Morrison's aside who are who are just saying screw it let's just go and 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 we'll just deal with the consequences um which pretty brave of van morrison given his age but um i i think it's going to be a lot of that you're going to see a lot of smaller stuff compact one night 300 people 500 people that sort of thing before it'll grow and then a lot of that is strictly liability exposure because in some states they're passing liability protections for business owners in other states, they're not, and there's a whole mishmash in between of what level of protection you get. And of course, we all know it doesn't matter. You can still get sued, and you still have to pay a lawyer to fight off a lawsuit that has no merit or has no standing in the particular state you're in in the first place. So, so what do you think about what will the landscape look like when a when a 
a vaccine happens. Everybody's saying, once we get the vaccine, things are going to change. What, what are we looking at once the vaccine happens? Well, I think there's, there's two problems there. One is, when is the vaccine coming? You're going to get a variety of answers on that anywhere from late October to January. Um, uh, and then the other challenge is, it takes a minute or two to vaccinate 320 million people. Um, and on top and, of that- And will 320 million people take, the, take it? Probably not. Exactly, and, and I, I'm hearing from some medical people that they suspect that the anti-vaxxer crowd will be smaller for this one than in general, because it's a one-time thing and it's so urgent and so important. But, but even if, but, but again, it's still, you're talking months for deployment. I mean, we, we've never even gotten to the point where we can test a million people a day. Now you actually want to put needles into people. You know, if it was a million a day, it would still take us a year. So, so for rat, you know, to, to consider it rapid, we'd have to be in the five to 10 million a day and that's still months. So, so the vaccine is a huge question there. And, and then, you know, there's my argument that Tom scoffs at and about when we're going to reach mass immunity. Um, and then there's the Yale saliva test that just came out, which, uh, um, We'll see if anybody takes Yale up on, on, on manufacturing that, which is a true rapid test. Results in uh, a couple of hours at most. Yeah. What, happens if, what happens if this virus uh, mutates? That's, that's, I think, the underlying issue with mass immunity right there. Well, and I don't think it's an if. I think it's a when because it's a virus and it, it just it, they just they do mutate. Although, will we still call it COVID-19 at that point? No, it'll be COVID-20 or COVID-2021 <laughs> or, or whatever, because there's something, you know, historically. We've identified these things, you know, H1N1 and um, SARS um, and some of the other ones. We've identified those four or five, six years apart over the last few years, last couple of decades. Now they're starting to come a little bit faster and a little bit harder, which, so is that a trend or is that just a one-off? So that's why I think that that German concert thing is so interesting because that has, that's a broad application. It has nothing to do specifically with COVID-19, any type of respiratory infectious disease that study will have an impact on um, and will, will help determine how large scale in-person events look like what they look like moving forward well you know the thing good well you know the thing that i see right now is basically that people are starting to get tired of being at home they're start they're, they they want to get out uh, i can only speak from my own personal experience on this by the way could you guys hear me mm-hmm. yes yeah. i can't believe it with all this thousands of dollars worth of technology i'm talking on an iphone i mean really that's amazing but the reality is, is that, you know, I'm, I myself have been stuck in the house since, uh, since uh, what, February? And now finally I said, I've got to get out. And so I started going back to the gym. Now it's a risk. Yeah, I know. I have friends that are traveling all over the world right now that can get out all over the world. And, you know, they're going through such tremendous gyrations just to get out of this country, 
you know, medical leaves to, to Thailand, uh, uh, Mexico, beach vacations are, are happening. So people are flying. And by the way, speaking of, uh, of, of flying, um, I've heard from really good resources right now that the airline industry is really pushing Congress as well to get money into this system. So that's another thing that's happening. And if you look at the chat, I also mentioned that Schumer has uh, got a bill going on right now, uh, bill number uh, 4258, which will provide money for theaters and venues. So there are things happening right now, you know? I think to what you're saying, Jan, it's a little bit what uh, Jack was saying earlier, is there's a point where people just decide my reward for going out, going back to work, getting back to a gig, whatever, getting to a beach vacation is greater than my fear of catching it because for whatever reason, you know, I don't think it's that yeah. serious or I think I was already exposed or whatever. I think we're, we're struggling with as individuals, we're struggling with that. And then I think that's also what companies are struggling with. And you get into what I'm hearing now is like with some of the manufacturers I talked to, the sales department is no longer saying no travel for the end of the year based on revenue expectations because they think they can justify the ROI on making sales calls. It's the HR department that's saying no travel for the rest of the year because we don't want you getting sick and suing us. Mm -hmm. Also, we got to deal with the schools right now because I hear the colleges that are sending people to the school, all those people are getting, uh, a lot of children are getting sick as well. So that's a challenge as well. Um, going into a, a brighter side, I mean, we have somebody in the room that does a lot of TV production, Doug Armstrong. And Doug, what are you seeing right now as far as the production level in, in Hollywood? Is that starting to pick up? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, still pushing a rock up the hill, but... Uh... Various shows are back on track. Uh, we're doing the Masked Singer right now on stage, and everyone goes through a COVID testing every day or every other day. There is a, uh, uh, a, a declaration that you make in writing uh, online where you state before you go on property, you have to answer 20 questions, you know, basically under, under your own sense of honesty. And if you pass the 20 questions, the app gives you a little thing that gives you a barcode that allows you access to the stage and security gives you a wristband. Temperatures are checked twice a day. Um, I operate a master control room outside of being in the remote uh, business where we used to take TV trucks and fly packs to studios and concerts and all those other things. And that business has pretty much evaporated uh, so we, uh, we built a, a, an HQ studio where all of our productions are now hosted uh, remotely. As you know, there's a ton of shit that's hosted remotely and the streaming business is on fire, but it's also a nickel and dime business too. Uh, you know, it's a lot of effort that we make and go through to, to make payroll, to, you know, the same amount of effort it used to be to execute a, an entire tour or execute an entire series. Um, but from a working standpoint, you know, Hollywood was saying we, you know, they were clamping down in production was illegal. And the community kind of said, you know, I'd rather be on a soundstage with 20 people I know than 
uh, you know, than not do anything. And uh, one of the values of our industry is that we have that opportunity to cut it down to 20 or 30 people and we don't require an audience to make our earning. Um, but most of the shows that had audiences still want audiences. We did a show that was gonna be a perfect streaming show and, and we did the, the pilot and everything went great. We thought we hit a home run and then the network said, no, we're gonna wait and bring it back to stage in October because we think we need the energy of an audience. As, as most of the shows, the American talent and the, and the, uh, and the voice and the mass singer and on and on and on are doing shows without any audience or we're doing a virtual audience. Um, much like, you know, sports is doing the bubble, using PA and applause. It's kind of a very artificial world. Yeah. Anybody want to pick up on that? So mask singer, no audience at all, or audience, a virtual audience on TV uh, screens? A virtual audience that is uh, imagery, and then there's about 30 people or so that are, hum that are there with social distancing. So it went from a no audience show to, uh, to a handful of people. And I guess under NDA, I shouldn't talk too much more about it, but basically what That's I'm saying fun. is there are these... Uh, these hybrids that are that are popping up left and right, just like saw America's Got Talent. They've got the panel sitting on directors' chairs in the middle of the lot at Universal Studios, and the uh, contestants are performing on a video wall with you know zooms or pre-recorded video being shown to them in order to. And I and I and I use the word. I hate it's so funny. You guys were talking earlier about Zoom, and it's now become a new generic word for uh, video chatting when, uh, and God knows how that happened, but like you guys said, we had, especially the fact that it's a Chinese company that's literally recording everything you say right now. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so question for, so from a, from a technician standpoint, is there a PA mixer on say, for instance, uh, Mass uh, Singer, or was he put out of a job because there's no audience? Yeah, the PA mix is not really necessary. That, that, that's the guy that get that gets boned because that can just be a fold back and a control. Because at the end of the day, it's only an effect. And yes, playing, feeding audio into speakers that then contaminate audience mics to give it a natural sense of presence like they're doing at basketball makes sense instead of it just being a canned applaud uh, or a canned cheer. Uh, but um, I mean, obviously the PA tech and the engineer is necessary to keep the system going um, from a kit rental. Uh, but not from a technically from a mixed position. Uh, but, the, you know, there's a lot of good A1s that are now working. But, you know, again, it's uh, the ones that are working are literally, you know, kind of signing their life away. You have to either stay in a hotel like some shows uh, uh, they're going to do up in Vegas at the Cromwell uh, Love Island or something. It's a pathetic yeah. uh, reality show and a bunch of people fuck in the pool and they get videotaped doing it. And uh, that's supposed to be entertainment. Uh, but the crew and the cast are all in the Cromwell and they spent two weeks prior to filming in that hibernation mode and eating hotel food and they'll film X number of episodes and they're all going to not go up, you know? And yeah. we, were, we were supposed to do a game show in Vegas and they pulled the plug because they just, they couldn't figure out how do you take the LA crew, the cast, 
the contestants and the Vegas and freelance and check them to us all the Vegas freelance and uh, whereas the road crew, for lack of a better term, we're all committed to living in that bubble type of thing. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I know we're all, we're all dying to do something normalized. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, if there's a, maybe, maybe like someone said here, we have to start small. Maybe instead of getting back to the arena level, or is it a arena level? I saw something really interesting last night. I was driving through Ventura, California, and there was a four post stage with LED screens on all four sides with enough room for say a 40 by 40 uh, performance area and a giant parking lot with about a thousand cars like a drive-in. And it looked like it was a, uh, that some form of concert happened. And as I was driving by, everybody was leaving. And I know Live Nation has been saying that doing that in various parking lots. I don't know, you know, is it really effective or is it just a placebo effect? Right. Definitely the financial aspect of it is questionable. So I know I, I have a relative who works on SNL in New York and he's the PA mixer. I wonder if he's actually going to be working or not. They're supposed to go back in a few weeks. Right. Well, without an audience, I don't know where that where that all falls in. Um, I guess it sort of depends on if the broadcast mixer doesn't mind feeding a few speakers that are, uh, you know, for people like the producers and you know, the small audience that might be there. Right, right. Um, but yeah, some of the other game shows that we've been all discussing, they're all no audience um, or the virtual audience. You know, that's, that's the thing. Uh, uh, how, how many uh, sound companies and lighting or lighting companies more specifically have set up, uh, you know, studios in their warehouses with video walls and they keep thinking, Oh, come bring a band here. We'll stream from here. And yes, it's a, a utilization of your assets that are collecting dust, but the business model doesn't seem to have any real, um, traction other than keeping your people busy. Cause that's what I've been doing. My goal is to stay open, to keep people employed, to keep them with healthcare even if I can't give them 40 hour weeks, at least I've been a stand-up guy and given most of my staff healthcare this whole time without furloughs. Has cool. there been Ken has a question. California gig law. Excuse me? Has there been any change? They're talking about changing the California gig law as respect to uh, Hollywood and uh, TV production. Well, I don't know about the law. We, 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 as we went into this, when we were in full shelter at home, we were locked down and we were not allowed to uh, work. And some productions went to Vegas, went to Georgia. Um, and and then, then the next step was to get out of LA County and get into Simi Valley or Ventura County where the restrictions weren't so bad. I mean, at the end of the day, the big shows are all run by networks and, and, and folks that are all run by lawyers which are all looking at not what the true danger is, but what the potential lawsuit factor is. And they'd rather just table it till 2021 than to bother with any logic and trying to, you know, come up with solutions. Ken, were you talking I, I about, the AB5 about AB5 five law? Yeah. Yeah. So is AB5 uh, uh, still happening in the TV and film industry, Doug? Um, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with that law. Uh, that's the one where everybody has to be a payroll W-2 employee instead of being a, 
uh, you know, part-time oh, gig yeah. worker. Oh yeah, they're, they're, that's, that's, that's been going on forever. That's been operating in my business forever. I, the minute I tell somebody what to do, they're an employee. Um, they can only be a contractor if they bring their own tools and they are only vaguely told what to do. The minute I give them uh, any kind of structure like a schedule and everything else, they need to be an employee of some uh, corporation with their own, you know, workman's comp and their own real company. The, the freelance world in my uh, sector has completely gone away. Now, it doesn't mean that many people are one-man corporations, but the, uh, the, sh the shell of having that corporate presence and a 95 number and proof of uh, workman's comp is required to be a, to be a, um, you know, basically a one-man vendor. There are no more freelancers turning in invoices. So okay, do all your you people go. work by the hour, get paid by the hour, work by the hour and not a day rate? Correct. Correct. And you'll say, hey, um, you know, now there'll be a 10-hour guarantee. Most of our guys say, hey, we got to get, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 500 a day, 800 a day, whatever it is. And technically you're 80 an hour on a 10-hour day, even though it's so fucked up in California, that's completely against the law because you have it has to, to be based on eight hours. Yeah. It's got to be based on eight hours. So we've actually been carrying spreadsheets with us for years. Whereas um, my dispatcher will hire somebody on a, uh, a guaranteed 10 hour day of say 600, 700 a day. Yet their time card is going to say, that they're you know forty seven fifty an hour, um, and they do eight hours of straight time and two hours of OT, and when you add that all up, it equals that six hundred dollar ten hour guarantee. They only get fucked when they get into hour twelve and thirteen because now their double time is based on their base rate, not on their day rate, which means they're losing you know a handful of dollars per hour, and then you got to hear that whine. You shorted me, you know, fourteen dollars. It's like, dude, I just paid you, you know, two. It's grand. the law, man. It's the law. You're gonna call me about fourteen dollars. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping if there's anything, you know, on the backside of, of my business. And I used to be, you know, before I was in television, I owned a concert lighting company. I, I toured the world for many years, so I know what all you guys do, and, uh, and, and still friendly with many of the people in the industry that still go with it, and. Uh, Heck, I remember when 200 bucks a day was good money. Um, and uh, that I think that uh, as we get restructured, I think the hourly wage is where we really need to be. And we need to start really conforming to the eight hour rate as we quote it and as we pay it. Because, you know, the, the confusion and how we manage labor is a pain in the ass and it shouldn't be so confusion. It should be very straightforward and and as all my clients say hey we'll pay labor because labor is labor we're going to just beat you up on the gear yeah that's a really good point that's a, it's a, and and you're getting people working which is you know and that's what this is all about how do we survive this tough time because right now a lot of our are of the people that you have working for you are actually in a in a point where they have to find something to work, whether it be at Lowe's or Home Depot or, or, or right. telephone marketing, whatever it is. So any work we could throw these guys is always, you know, my question is what happens at the, if this goes on too long, 
who's going to be left to do the job? We're going to be losing a lot of the people that we have grown accustomed to. And I don't want to see that happen. Well, I think one thing you're going to see is the, the veterans, you know, the guys that have been doing it. You know, I can see by this, my screen that everybody's, you know, been doing this more than 10 years. And uh, the guys that have been at it for a while are going to start revisiting early retirement or, or, or utilizing their time a little differently, making room for the younger generation to step up, which maybe they can operate at a, at a lesser hourly rate. Um, but I think uh, just another point to bring up is that even though I used to hate the system and hate payroll and hate government and love cash, uh, I think that if we all contribute to running people through payroll, even though it costs me 24% more to hire a person through payroll than to write them a check, um, if we do play with the payroll system and people do charge hourly and we do work on eight hour days, um, these people all now have a chance to collect unemployment because they'll then have qualifying hours. Uh, I was a, you know, a early day roadie kind of guy. And I, at one point I looked at uh, my social security for my life and there was like an eight year window where I didn't contribute anything. And it's like, you know, it's almost like I didn't exist for eight years, but I was on a tour bus and got paid cash and, you know, it didn't, uh, didn't get the uh, FICA taxes taken out. And, you know, luckily I made it up over time, but that's not a good place to be if you're 20 going on 40 and don't have either one, anything into this magical thing we call social security or two have anything to, you know, be able to rely on the unemployment system that has helped so many people during this crisis. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. You know, I'm, we're, all, we're all, you know, look, uh, one thing I will say that this group has really come together and you notice that, you know, it, it, there are a lot of people that have, are in this room that have been around for a long time, but this is a business owners, you know, this is basically more for the business owner than for, you know, a non-entrepreneur. So basically everyone in this room is an entrepreneur. You know, and we're all looking for ways to survive this tough time. You know, one guy that's in the room right now, and um, I, I love him to death. He happens to live here in Las Vegas. His name is John Preto, and he's you could, and he's got a company called Talent Pros Live that he started. And his concept is basically that it's never going to get back to where it is. So that we need to create events in streaming. However. I really believe that with all the gear and all the investment that everybody has, that if we could tap into what his market is until we can get to the point where things come back, that might be something that's interesting. John, you want to you want to say something about what you're doing? First, first of all, I never said that physical events were never coming back. They will, my bird's going crazy, right? Uh, physical events will come back. Um, probably some later this year and then some at the beginning of the next year. First of all, I'm not worthy to hang out with you guys <laughs> because I appreciate your expertise um, and your craft. Um, I've been in streaming business for 24 years. I'm one of the grandfathers of the streaming business. We started a company in 1996 here in Las Vegas. We were Wall Street financed. We developed our own streaming technology. We raised $70 million of finance from Wall Street. And I did the PGA, the LPGA, the DMC convention, Kelsey Grammer, Joe Walsh. Uh, on and on and on. I did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of events around the world using our streaming technology. 
when COVID happened, uh, I'm sitting at home and I'm watching all these virtual events and they're yawners. They're absolute yawners. And Jan and I met on a local guild of probably the top streamers in the world, uh, audio, video, and streaming guys. And um, I'm like, there's no production value in these things. With my background in streaming and with my connections here in town in Vegas, let's add some production value to these events. And that's what we're doing. We're, we have musicians, we have ma magicians, we have, we have hot chicks, we have girls, whatever you, whatever you want, girls on trampolines. And then we take that and, and make your Zoom call more interesting and engaging and communication. And we know how to do these things right. And we believe if a virtual event done right can be more effective than a physical event as far as the event business, because you're no longer constrained by time or location. And so that's a game changer. Um, you don't have to have an event once a year anymore. You can spread it out over time. And so that changes the game. But making those events more engaging and, and interacting with the audience and attracting a larger audience than you can do at a physical event. And two other important things, having the ability to know who you are when you register for our, one of our events, we can log into using op, open uh, OAuth. We can grab some of your social graph. And now it's about the connections that are involved with you going to an event. Am I there to buy something? Do I want to meet interesting people? Do I want birds of a feather? We can do that way more effectively than you're going to be, ever be able to do at a physical event. And number two, tracking everything that you do in a virtual event that information is is supremely um, valuable for the event holders and we're booking gigs right now through the beginning of, two, of 2021 right now um, and, and we're quite optimistic so I'm, I'm just honored and happy to have met Jan and to to meet you guys and appreciate what you guys are saying and 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 the other thing the other thing that we're seeing is a lot of the gear the video gear and the boards moving up into the cloud with <clears throat> on-premise encoders so the camera the mics are on premise they're fed into an encoder and they're going up into a cloud and the a1s and the guys that are switching the show are all sitting in a warehouse or sitting at their house so that's an, another important trend that we're witnessing right now I, I, I they're they're producing shows right now all produced out of the cloud very like dnc dnc was done that way video wise anyway right yeah jan and i and i gotta take off in about five minutes jan so i'm mm, it's okay. yeah. one other thing i'll say about john and, and this is an opportunity for people to make some money is john when he's out there looking at the talent he's going with union scale now he definitely doesn't have to go with union scale but he's offering the he's offering his talent union scale and my hat's off to him uh, on that uh, and so if for engineers because he needs a ones to 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 assist him in the shows and one of the things i brought kenny newman and i introduced kenny but uh you know uh if you put something in the chat and john puts his email in there or he goes up he's i actually actually need an a1 for tomorrow we're doing rehearsals kenny newman's your man right uh, well <laughs> you're in vegas right yeah yes sir uh i can give you a list of names if you like okay there you go all right
So anyway, um, I really appreciate you coming on, John, and, and sharing. Anybody have any questions for John or anybody want to say anything? Oh, okay. Real, really quick, I, I wanted to, to, to spread some information. Zoom is not a Chinese company. Eric, who I know, I've met, is Chinese national, and he lives in, in Northern California. They're a publicly traded company. They're worth about $75 billion. They're worth more than the three large auto manufacturers. He's married and lives in, in Northern California. He's a fantastic gentleman, and, and I'm hugely uh, bullish about Zoom's future. And, and, and what was their valuation like, say, a year ago? Uh, not even a friend. They just went public last year. So they went public and they instantly turned Eric into a billionaire. And they're, they're nice people. We know, I know the CTO and I know Eric, the CEO, and we're working with them directly because we integrate the Zoom interface into our interface. Um, mm -hmm. And Tony Robbins has done some amazing stuff on Zoom where he was able to have 22,000 people on this set where he he had 15 foot tall by 40 foot tall circumference with four projectors on top and he had he had 1200 simultaneous zoom people uh, that he could see and then they could zoom the individual windows in as he talked to them uh, and he made and he spent he claims that he spent nine million dollars on that production but he made more than that on the registrations because the audience was so large. One thing that I, one thing that I, I just got an invitation to is Zoom is having a uh, uh, some sort of Zoom meeting about how to monetize your webinars, and so uh, I'm going to be checking that out to see what they're doing and what they what they're thinking about uh, in that respect. And it's so funny, you know, I'm on a call, I'm on a call every night with John. There's a bunch of us that get together and every night he calls me the sound broker. And because I don't want to turn on my audio system, he always makes fun of me. And now today for my meeting, I'm talking out of my iPhone. Unbelievable. <laughs> where's your where's your pr40 you, got, you haven't have your pr40 connected yeah? it's right here it's, it's some it's some bad connection i'm going did through you a get a warranty thing. with that jim say that again did you get a warranty with that yes i did have a warranty but you know what here's the here's the beautiful thing about this is that this is the true mastermind group because you don't even need me i mean you know you all did it without me and i am so proud of everybody and and what I've accomplished in getting you all together to because it, it's it, there's absolutely obviously a need for this because I could tell you you know if uh, you know there are so many other things that every one of you could be doing than other than spending an hour and change with me and you know to have people like uh, you know Jack Mosniak to come in from the eighth day and talk about the sale that just happened this week and to have people that are are, are big players in the marketplace and you all are I really, you know, I really thank you. I mean, Ken Porter, who actually helped me get started in business so many years ago, he's still supporting me. Steve Sluter, you know, uh, these guys, Chris Prozio, Tom Source. I mean, Tom Source was one of the first persons in my life that saw that what I was doing had a value and he wanted to be part of the company right from, right, right from day one. You know, Doug Armstrong, you know, Byron, all Byron, um, Brian, you know, all of you guys, I really appreciate what you're doing. David Dansky, I've known since I've been that high, you know. Um, actually, I, I, I love this joke. I love this joke. He says, you know, he, this comedian, I, I believe, uh, I believe it's Mitch Hedgeberg. He says, he, he says, uh, when I used to get high, 
And then he stops and says, yeah, well, I still get high, but I used to get high too. You know, um, just an aside on that. <laughs> okay. But I'm from yeah. Anyway, um, one last thing I want to cover and then we could all go home. And that is I got a notice from from Harmon that Harmon is now offering finance for like two years for no money. Um, if there's anybody in the room that wants to say anything about that, uh, you know, uh, anybody have any ideas on that? Anybody know anything about that? Raul, do you still work for Harmon? Sure do. All right. What do you know, boss? Yeah, we're offering financing. Our financing program is still going on. It's been modified. Uh, so just call me about it. We'll hook you up with the right guys. But yeah, there's a 0% possibility depending on what you're doing, what you're getting, and what you want to get in the package. Yeah, I'm trying to get some cash flow happening, right? Say that again? They're trying to get some cash flow and some uh, merchandise flow happening, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're just trying to make sure that, you know, we, you know, some of our clients need to stay updated. So we're trying to facilitate, you know, the gear to them over time. Yeah, it seems like it's 0% for either 12 or 24 months. So, right. I mean, but that's... But it's, but, not, it's, just not, it's not just harming gear. We can add other things to it. So that's what I said. Every case is very specific. Yeah. Is that with Quail? Yes, it was, it's with Quail, Quail Financing. Yeah, it's through Quail. But you, you wouldn't think that you wouldn't think that Harmon needs any money because they're with Samsung and everybody's buying cell phones these days. You know, well, you'd be amazed. Samsung uh, says, you know, you guys are your standalone company, so you have to kind of uh, swim and sink on your own. It's not, not exactly always the way it looks. Yeah, I know that. The, I know you guys would love to see some manufacturers come into the room, you know, and uh, we are putting something together. You know, I, I invite everybody. You know, the, the, there's no, it's no secret of who I'm inviting. I invite thousands and thousands of people every week, and not everybody wants to participate and not everybody um, is reaching out to me and saying, yeah, I want to do it. It's sometimes it's really hard to get people on the phone. And I really appreciate all of you in the room that invite your friends and invite people because even though there might be only 25, 30 people here, thousands of people are watching this on, on YouTube and on, on Facebook. So I really appreciate it. But what I learned today is that I am correct. This is not the Jan Landy show. This is a mastermind group. And I, I thank you all one and all for being part of it. And is there anybody else that wants to say anything? Anybody has anybody, you know, Jason, you're sitting there. You haven't said anything. Uh, Mike, anybody want to share anything that, uh, hey, Jan? Jan Porter. Well, that's going to go back and answer. I thought Jack was going to answer the question that, uh, Ken had asked a long time ago about touring coming back and what looks like next year is going to be like, what I'm starting to believe I'm seeing from production manager stuff there that we're going to, they're going to step out and start. It's mostly going to be shed tours starting up next year in May, April, May, start up and run through the summer, but they're not going to go out is, is they're going to go out streamlined. It was like a 12, 14 truck tour is going to go out as a four or five truck tour. They're looking at getting out and get their feet wet and get cash flow moving and not putting all the extravagant, you know, show and the, the gags and all that stuff in the set pieces. It's going to go out and try and go out and make some money and move. And then as it moves into the fall, they'll move into more of the expanding the business. 
Well, there's hope. I, I, and that's what we that's what we all have. This is the first time in our lives that, you know, the unknown is around us everywhere we go. You know, we're born. We don't know why we go through life on a march to death always anyway. But right now, this march seems to be really standing in our face, because if we go catch the virus, you know, who knows if we're going to be here tomorrow. And that becomes a more ever present thing than ever before in my life. And I'm tired of feeling that my life is being stolen from me. And I'm sure everybody out there, if I, if I feel it, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of people feel what I feel because I'm not that unique. I, you know, I mean, I might be unique to me, I'm, you know, but I learned when I grew up in New York, if I felt like I was one in a million, there were 14 more of me within a, you know, a 25 mile radius. So, uh, you know, I, I've grown up with that and I've always known that. And once again, um, I really appreciate everybody for coming. And I really want you to spread the word because it's, it's, it's your show, not my show. And I think that we all got some very valuable information. I mean, I believe that I got very valuable information. Am I, uh, is there an agreement that you guys agree with me? Good, then spread yeah. the word. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, anybody have anything else they want to say? I want to hear what Jason has to say yeah, about I got, I his business. Sorry, I got um, I missed some of this because I had to jump onto something else. But um, there's one thing um, I was on this a few weeks ago, and as of last Friday, I had a conversation with Diane Feinstein's office, um, and we had about a 45 minute call with them, um, and I had about 12 people on it who were all either vendors or manufacturers um, expressing our concern of businesses that we know are closing. Um, and I know a handful of people who are slowly going out of business. Um, and the push is that something that Michael Strickland has out is that email list of keep pushing these senators and Congress people to push forward the Restart Act and the second round of PPP funding. Um, and I know we all have our tentacles out and have email lists that are super long. And I recommend that everybody does it. You know, it's not about the senators who have signed on for it, but it, it's all the resistance of people who don't want to sign on for it. Um, if you guys want to see, see companies stay in and come back to work, I really recommend everybody does that. Um, I spent about a month hounding them every day to get a phone, to get on a conference call with them. Um, it was a really a lot of effort, but it paid off. We got a lot of information, positive information out of them. We actually got some information that, that when I, gave it to Michael Strickland, he was able to run with. Um, it's, it's a group effort. I know we're, you know, we're all in this together per se. I know we all have our own businesses and, and other things, but I think we're really all into this together. Um, most of us who are, um, you know, watching from the sidelines and not like, my company hasn't done anything in four, five months, you know, same thing as everybody else. But I really recommend everybody just keep on, on these targets, do these zoom meetings, put all this information out there. And, and, you know, we're, we're one industry. Um, we're starting to get some, um, we're starting to get some attraction from the government to really support us. Um, there's also another group that's recently started that, um, I just finally got some emails from that's a bunch of production managers and tour managers who put together another group. Um, and they are trying to put together things with artists, for artists to go out and promote our cause even more. 
Um, there's some optic issues with that because an artist doesn't want to feel like they're not supporting their crew, you know, but if an artist has a million followers and everybody goes out and does the best they can, the companies who can and lights their building up red on September 1st, and you have artists who can put it out on their Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and that's more support for the industry. I know it may not seem like it, but I'm telling you all of these things add up to us all staying in business and moving forward. I think that's excellent. And, you know, I put a link in, in the show notes here. It's extendpua.org. And that is a chart based uh, website where you just click a link and it helps you send the letters out to your representatives. So you might want to check that out. And of course, uh, again, uh, the mastermind group on Facebook, I will be sending out an email with that. And so you all have it. Um, anyway, is there anything anybody else wants to share before we, uh, before we, uh, say thanks a lot and we'll see you all next week. Is there anything? Well, well, I, I have, I have something to bring up, Jan. Uh, I was, I was attending another meeting right before this one, the live production summit, I think it was called that, um, Jim Rizgan is involved in and stuff. And, uh, the, the vibe on there seemed to be, what are we asking for? I mean, yeah, we, we're, we're trying to make ourselves known, but what are we asking for? We have to know what we're asking for. So I gather, and I, I, I think the answer to that is that we're asking for extended PUA, we're, extend, we're asking for extended additional unemployment payments, and we're asking for some financial relief for companies uh, in this industry. Uh, is anybody else have anything else that we're supposed to be asking for? No, Ken, I think you've hit, those are the big three, you know. Um, the Restart Act and the extended PPP will save a lot of people. Um, yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing is, I, you know, as, as, as a company owner, I did one thing and we got PPP out of that. As an individual who goes out and mixes, I got PPP as well as an individual. Um, and as easy as it was, I turned, I, I, the band um, that I was out with, none of those guys knew to knew to how to do that. You know, um, nobody knew to like, Hey, where do I go to look for this information? And they're like, dude, we're broke. I don't have any money. I'm like, go to cabbage.com. It's called free money, man. And it's free money. And you're going to be way under the threshold where they're ever going to look at you to repay any of it. You know, right. and the second round of PPP, what's really important about it is it's right now the language is 12 weeks instead of eight right? What we really want is 20, but at 12 weeks, think about what you did in 12 weeks in 2019, you know, and how that, and how that will get you out there. So it's all about extending unemployment, PPP, and the Restart Act. If the Restart Act doesn't pass for companies, there's a bunch of us who are going to disappear in the next 90 days. And I don't, and, and on a big scale, and that's kind of what we talked with, with Feinstein's office, you know, how, of, and they were asked us, you know, how is there any money from a drive-in event? Is there any money from streaming? And I'm sure some people out there are making money from both those. We are not, you know. So. Well, it's, it's all it's all nickels and dimes, right? Yeah. And and, and the it needs to be dollars. Yeah, and and is I I've had a weird thing happen where I said to my staff, I'm going well. You know, we got this going on. We got this going on. Let's, you know, we just get excited because you're supposed to do this for the love of it, not just for the dollar. And um, the employee said, I said, but you know what? We just had another setback. So instead of 40 hours a week guarantee, we'll got to go down to 35 or whatever the 20% or 25% reduction was allowed under the whole PPE thing. And the fucking employee goes, you know, 
I'll just go on unemployment. I don't even want to come into work. I can make more money on unemployment, and, and he's, he's a, becoming a day player in the stock market. So he's a new, a new person to the stock market. Everyone I know got the fuck out of the market because it was so volatile, and this young guy is playing it as a day trader and thinks it's fun and would rather uh, be on unemployment than to come in and do his profession. Uh, and you know what they say, to each his own, right? Well, to each his own, but at the same time, that's, you know, uh, from a society standpoint, we're, you know, the more we give, the more cancer we're creating in a socialist type of environment where people would rather do nothing. Because I always say, nothing is free. You know, there's got to be some consequence to any free uh, situation. Uh, I, I mean, it'd be great if there was a, I don't know, some kind of give back program that as the government helps us and maybe even as big corporations help us or manufacturers help us, there's some ROI that they could get back from us, you know, from a goodwill perspective, you know, hey, manufacturers help us out. And in the meantime, maybe we can beta test the next new thing, or maybe we can take this time as a species, you know, like, you know, we invent fucking spaceships to go to the moon. What could we be doing with our time instead of collecting unemployment and getting stoned? You know, how can we, how can we, you know, work in a new economy, I guess, you know, do we go back into bartering of some sort, you know, I've been trying to horse trade people with some stuff, you know, Hey, you got some speakers. Hey, I, let's do something. I don't know. Um, just, just statement. the whole idea. I mean, this is why we're here to mastermind this, to put it together. I mean, Steve Sluter, has yet, he hasn't said two words today, but he, he got involved with selling uh, devices that measure people's temperature as you go into a room, and he's making money doing that. Um, you know, um, I'm just trying to think of other ideas people are selling. I mean, here's, here's an interesting thing, what Tomcat did. Tomcat is now, you know, Tomcat, right? So let me just show, show you that. Uh, let me get rid of this. Um, Tomcat is basically now making structures, you know? Uh, so if I can get that, to, there it is. You can see it now. So they're making structures to, uh, you know, on, 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 it's just an idea. Now, will it be able to keep them alive? I don't know. But if we do nothing, if we do absolutely nothing, then all of a sudden that nothing will, is what we will have, nothing, you know? So we've got to do whatever it is we can and put our brains together. And that's the whole concept of what we're doing. Put our brains together, we will come up with something. You know what John Prado was saying, there's an opportunity there. You know, is it, a, is, it a, is it making the kind of money we're used to making? No, but it's something to do. So we, you know, I, I like to say it like this, we've got to make the best of a bad situation. And that's all there is to it. If you think positive, positive things will happen as long as you just don't think it. But, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But you have to do something about it. Otherwise, it's just on the road to hell. And, uh, you know, so that's how I feel. By the way, I put some bunch of links into the, into the show notes. Um, if you click the three dots, it'll save it. So you could, you know, you don't have to look at it now, but you'll be able to save it. So and look at it for uh, yeah, at another time. Uh, again, the mastermind uh, discord link is for our mastermind group, as well as I'm also going to throw in right now. The most important one is the Facebook, the Facebook group. And that's in there as well for the mastermind.
So anyway, unless there's anything that anybody else wants to say, I'm going to say thank you all for coming. You're more than welcome to stick around for a little while. But I think we, I think we're going to shut off the, uh, the the streaming and stop the recording right now. I just want to leave it with you. Make it happen. You guys made it happen today because when my mic went down, you didn't need me at all. You were there, and I appreciate. It. And for me to be talking on a cell phone right now, that's pretty impressive. So thank you very, very much for coming. Spread the word. This happens every Wednesday, three o'clock uh, Pacific Coast time. And with that. I thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, I'm going to stop the recording, and we could we could just hang out.